and unsurpassed penetrating and perfect dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas having it to see and listen to to remember and accept I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. Good morning. Zazen Shin. I'm not going to talk from this particularly. Okay, but the acupuncture needle is Zazen. I sent out a link to a translation by Carl Bielfeld, and he is one of my favorite translators. When uh, my very first practice period was a summer at Green Gulch and we studied the Mountains and River Sutra, and the text that we used was Carl Bielfeld's uh, doctoral dissertation, which was a translation of the Sutra. And Rev talked about, one of the things he talked about was how much he appreciated this translation, because I think Bielfeld He's one of those people, he has an ear and ability to express something um, that, that retains some of the, oh my God, I guess I'll say the poetry of uh, Dogen. So Zazen, acupuncture needle of Zazen. So it asks us, what are we, what are we doing? What are we doing here, sitting on this cushion? What, uh, what is happening sitting on this cushion? cushion? There's a lot of, in the, in the poem itself, a lot of non-thinking and non-merging, non-this and non-that. And we kind of, we know about that. But I want to talk today more about the doing and thinking part, the, the actual minute-by-minute minute experience of zazen. We do have times in sitting, I think, I hope, uh, that you do have times when there is non, it is a non-event, when there is just breathing. The, uh, the small s self seems to have taken a nap for a while. But what happens when you sit zazen? Where's your awareness? Where's your body? How does it feel in your body when you breathe in? How does it feel in your body when your belly expands? How does it feel in your body when it contracts again, when you exhale? So just take a moment and breathe for a bit and do notice it, the whole thing, from beginning to middle to end, to beginning to middle to end and again. Notice, notice how it feels in your nose. Can you hear it? Can you hear it coming in? 
Where is it? Where do you notice it first? I feel it and it feels like I hear it from my throat as it passes. I guess as it passes the, what is that anyway, as it passes the part that enters your ears. <laughs> you stay, you station or you stakian or whatever it is to, I guess, anyway, that's where I hear it. Where do you hear it first? What happens in your chest and your trunk as you breathe? Where do you first feel an uh, expansion? Where is the end of the expansion? What happens during a pause before you exhale? When you exhale, where do you first feel the contraction? And do you hear it? Where do you hear it from? Feels like my nose. But what is it in your body? You feel it at all in your back. Does the expansion affect your back? That's Zazen. What's your zazen like? Do you are do you really pay attention to your breath? Do you breathe into your belly? Do you breathe deeply? Of course you don't breathe into your belly, but that's what it feels like. What's going on in your fingers and your toes? Is your mudra okay? Did it collapse? Are your toes gripping at all? Are they relaxed? What's going on in your body? Is there tension somewhere in your body? Noticing. How's your spine? Are you friends with your spine? You have a curve in your lower back? Is your head balanced on your spine? Are your ears in line with your shoulders? And your nose in line with your navel? What is going on? Is your tongue against the front roof of your mouth? Are your teeth and lips both shut? Not holding them shut, just gently. We should be giving ourselves zazen instruction, at least at the beginning of every period, and then again occasionally. Scan the body. Come back to the breath. Keep coming back to the breath, it's home base. And then, once you settle, you can let go of the breath and just sit. Just be there. But do be there in the middle of it. What thoughts come up? What's your impulse? You want to hold on to them? You want to push them away? You want to invite them in for tea? Noticing. Noticing. Often, in Zazen, our ancient tangled karma comes up. Old family stuff. Are you friends with it? You hate it? You get tangled in it? Can you allow it to 
arise, abide, and pass away. One of the things Asana is, is experiential, right? You experience the thoughts. And they're not so much in your head as arising organically. From, for me, it feels like from my belly. Sometimes you wrestle with them, trying to push them away and failing and failing and failing and failing. Do they make you cry? Is that okay with you that you cry? Will you allow it? Will you allow your body to do what it needs to do? You criticize yourself for it? The American disease? Welcome to the club. At the conference I was at last week, there was talk about how common it is that Zen students particularly, Zen practitioners, have a history of some kind of trauma. It's common in the United States. It's probably common in the world that we do from when we were very young, particularly, and later, but especially for the first few years. And often in Zazen, this, the, the response to that manifests, and we avert, we turn away from it, we don't want to be with it. Whatever the current manifestation is, often the current manifestation is that Oh, self-critical, self-hating voice. Is that with you? How do you, how do you respond to that? That's part of zazen. Because you're, you're all there. And you're quiet. So, here it comes. And some people try to push it away. Some people Dissociate, which is one of those words I have trouble with. I mean, I know various definitions, but it means to, I mean, I guess you could say it means to turn away from, to shut, often by shutting down, or by invoking that voice subconsciously, that critical voice, or by inducing your knee to hurt, or you can turn towards that experience. You can invite it, not wallow in it, not get caught by it so much as just invite it. Yes, yes, I hurt, yes. What does it feel like? What happened to your breath? What happened to your toes? What happened to your jaw? If you cry, are you embarrassed? You have impulse to leave the room? Or maybe you remember that Dogen cried on his cushion. Dogen must have had abandonment issues given that his father died uh, when he was very young and his, really young, and his mother died when he was 12, which is still pretty young. You think he didn't have abandonment issues? Of course he had abandonment issues. 
I don't know what he was crying on, about on the cushion, but there's no shame in it. What's it like inside this body, inside this psyche, inside this mind? Chikantaza, just sitting, simply sitting, wholehearted sitting, does not mean becoming a blank, does not mean disassociating from every physical and mental sensation, does not mean shutting down, does not mean dosing, going into, there's a wonderful talk um, by a woman named Rebecca Lee, she's um, Chinese, raised in Hong Kong, which is almost like being raised, was almost like being raised in Britain, I guess. But at any rate, uh, she talks about a different, she has a book called Illumination. The thought of the, the silent illumination of Amjur, sometimes equated with Shikantaza. At any rate, she talks about a state of mind, I think she called it brain fog, and that it, it's one of the ways that we avoid being awake to our experience moment after moment. I just kind of shutting down just enough to be in a, I would say, a dozy state, not falling asleep, but just sort of sitting there blank, halfway asleep, just awake enough that you don't keep falling over and experiencing the unpleasant side of being asleep. And how do we wake ourselves up? If we're there, how do we come back here? Here is sometimes a pleasant place to be and sometimes not. But my sazen, if you'll allow me to say it that way, because Suzuki Roshi said to Blanche, don't you ever think you do sazen. Zazen does sazen. However, <laughs> I still have to experience it. And I want to wake up. I want to, I want to not be so entangled in my ancient tangled karma. I want to be available. I want to be useful. I want to respond to the cries of the world. Not react, but respond. Sometimes, I guess, sometimes in Zazen itself, I have to, I should, I'm trying to think of a word other than those kind of words, but I don't have any. I have to respond to the cries of this one. I have to take care of me. I have to take care of that little kid in me. I have to soothe her get to know her, heal her, before I can really be available. It's like you have to put on your own air mask on the plane first. Then you can be useful to your kid. 
Where's your breath right now? Is there a hitch in it? You want to start yawning as soon as you start really paying attention to your breath? Are you pulling in the next breath or are, or are you waiting and allowing it to come in when it's ready? When your body's ready? Oh, I would like us this practice period to really use this opportunity to engage with our sasan and engage with our, our psyches. Let this, let these ancient moons show up. Sure, for most of us, because we're not psychotic, you know, that, that our psyche only lets up as much as we can handle. So let's stay awake and not go to foggy mind. Do you have thoughts about this or questions? Or I'd like to know what your experience is of your breath when we started out with that little exercise. Steve? My experience just now and, and lately has been that um, to breathe deeply is to give myself a very much needed massage with the muscles inside and the feeling inside kind of resisting as like the, the hands kind of insist on uh, gently letting things go. Um, so in other words, it feels like it starts with I usually have some tightness going on in my chest and my belly, and it feels like when I breathe in, it's, it wants to release it, but, it, but the tightness wants to stay, and it's, it's a conversation that goes on for quite some time, usually. Do you ever engage the tightness and ask it what it is, and allow it to mm -hmm. expand? And... Liam, I think you had your hands. Well, I've had a somewhat, somewhat sleepy zazen this morning so far, but I really enjoyed the reminder and taking us through uh, the breathing and uh, reminding us coming back, paying attention. Uh, I, I find something very pleasant and enjoyable about that. I don't have anything else right now. Well, if you do a little bow when you're done, then we know you're finished. I always like it when someone asks me to call attention to my breath. Conscious of it usually when I'm just moving around in my day. I mean, from time to time, I'll notice or I'll think about my breath. But it is, I, I will. Um, reflect what Liam said when you call attention to it, then now, at least today, it was a pleasant experience to feel the, because it's not always pleasant when I'm sitting on my cushion, but I pay attention and I notice for myself, there's a coolness in my nostrils when I breathe in. I hadn't thought about the sound before where I hear it, so that was instructive and i want to grasp on when it's pleasant and keep it pleasant <laughs> i noticed that 
And when something is what I would categorize as unpleasant, like uh, pain in my knee or a, a sharp, any kind of sharp pain in my body um, has been something that I've worked with. And sometimes when I pay attention and breathe into it, there's a kind of release and sometimes there isn't. <laughs> so um, no guarantee there, but all of it's use, been useful. And I look forward to, um, my, my summer has been interrupted <laughs> a lot. And my practice has not been as consistent and so I am looking forward to refocusing my attention on practice and sadhan. Kelly? It's interesting because I've been having some stomach issues in the mornings lately, and today was particularly rough. Breathing is something I was very resistant to. Like deep breathing was like, no, 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 you're going to that area that is upset right now. But I, I do find that if I can, rather than fight it, um, relax and let the breath happen, uh, it helps. So I mean, that that was kind of kind of an answer to your initial question that that was my experience of it this morning was oh I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't wanna that's oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll I'll take that. Dana So it was very helpful for me to hear you talk about the about breathing so I can apply to my practice more. Uh, but today because it's so quiet here and not so much at home when I find some time to sit here, I could hear myself digesting <laughs> for the first time in a long time. And then I became self-conscious of it and worried that other people would hear my stomach making sounds. <laughs> and then I thought, why am I like that? And so then I started the cycle of that thought and instead of not feeling my breath and, um, then I realized, well, it sounds like whales under the ocean calling to one another. Then my brain goes there, and then I'm not breathing again. And then I'm like, okay, what am I noticing? My right side is not feeling the breath at all, but the left side can feel it, and that makes sense because I'm, I have some issues that I'm going to get a scan about today on my right side. But why haven't I really noticed this before? You know, um, so yeah, to wake up and to feel it, it all s seems to avail if I can just sit there and feel it, right? But, um, and then I'm noticing how my mind just wants to leave what it is that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Useful. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. And uh, one thing, you know, when that, when that happens, you know, I can hear my stomach gurgling or whatever. Um, one thing is, I remember that I'm one of millions 
that have had that experience. You know, that all throughout the history of anybody meditating silently with anybody else, particularly, there is that possibility of feeling self-conscious. You can explore that a little bit. You know, often when what you what you're experiencing is what people experience. And for me that helps with being feeling self-conscious about it, thinking, oh, now it's my turn. <laughs> and you know, stomachs make noise and you can hear sometimes you can hear when something go something squirts in there. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kay. I just wanted to add something about when I experience pain in my body because it reflects back to something you said about trauma and I think initially I felt like in order to be a good Zen student I had to whatever arose sit there and not get up and not adjust my body and not itch a scratch and um, particularly when I had sharp pain I was just waiting for the bell to ring <laughs> it's like come on bell and um, at what at some point it's that experience of caring for yourself so I learned ways to move <laughs> a little um, and breathe differently um, and then if I really needed to move <laughs> or get up or go to the restroom and bend over or something so I just I had this idea that um, I needed to suffer <laughs> and I don't think it's necessary anymore I just thought I I could be wrong but um, I, I shouldn't say suffer we all suffer there's no need to torture myself <laughs> yeah that's that yeah. yeah, was better because I, I was about to quibble with you because I think I'm so sorry, but I think we do need to suffer. To know that, I mean, we suffer. That's the first noble truth, right? So forget about escaping it. But we need to know that, you know, in our bones. But you're, we don't need to torture ourselves, and we do need to take care of ourselves. And we do, one of the things we learn when we sit regularly is kind of, you know, where there's not like a hard and fast line, but some sense of where the line is. What is torturing yourself? What is harming yourself? And what is sort of the acceptable price for sitting still? Because sitting still is so very important. But then there's, there's, there is such a thing as you should move now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to say it's it's been really very useful for me to explore that instead of turn away from it or just get up or 
I mean, I've been sitting by myself. I, I've said this once before. There was one night in the temple where it was just me and one other person who was on the other side of the wall. And I had some really hard pain. And I thought, well, they wouldn't notice if I just lay down. <laughs> and then I thought, do I really need to? <laughs> Is that where I'm at? And that sort of... You, nobody can answer that for you, right. which is my main complaint. I, <laughs> <laughs> I want you to answer it. Okay. <laughs> you, want a, you want a monitor. Okay, that's bad enough. <laughs> and it's usually, if you do that, if you really get into it, and then you do move, it's like the bell rings about a minute later. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we call that pause at the end of the exhale the little death. And there is a deep letting go if we don't interfere. I, have had, I used to try to control my breath without even realizing it, and then I, I pulled it in the next breath. I didn't allow that pause. Um, something, something you said, Kate, reminded me of sitting still. Of it's only been this, I think since maybe August of this year, that I realized that I tend to lock up my my hips and lock up my uh, spine. I've been I've been telling people to be soft when they're sitting for years and to you know be kind and let gravity do its work. But then I, I noticed, when I noticed that if I don't tense up, guess what? My pelvis moves just a little bit. My spine moves just a little bit. And guess what? A lot of the tightness and pain I used to feel, or still feel sometimes, but a lot of it, it was just that. <laughs> Y'all surprise. Huh? What a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Paula, do you have something to add? Well, I could say that the, the breath works for me. It, it does a lot of work for me. It's, um, as I follow it, I'm aware of it working for me. What do you mean by working for you? It has a labor to do. <laughs> it has to gather in all the oxygen and go through my lungs and has to help expel all of the dioxide. It also has a quality to um, change my mental state. It has a quality to help me heal. It has a stopping point, and in that stopping point, that pause is very pregnant, and that pregnancy is filled with so much. It's it's unexplainable, and I feel it like an ocean working of what it's doing for me, both emotionally and physically, and healing parts of my body that has to be healed. And how it's also giving so much to the um, the earth and the universe outside of myself and to others. It it's feeding the plants, they love that carbon dioxide, and, 
and um, they respond to my breath uh, when I'm near them. Um, they perk up or sometimes they turn away. <laughs> you never know what they're going to do um, as, as you breathe out. But I see it happening. There's a lot of work going on. The process of uh, breathing and that work is so essential and so much a gift. You had often said to allow yourself to be breathed, to allow the ocean of the breath to move inside you. And that has been a really strong practice for me ever since I heard you say that many years ago. And it works. Thank you. Okay, well, let's keep coming back. Keep coming back. It works. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.